continuing on a, a series about fact in a world of fiction. Uh, we started out the first week, we looked at Christianity as the truth, as we looked at the book of Jude, and then we talked about the Bible as truth. Today I want to look at Jesus, his deity. Jesus, God, the truth. And uh, we're going to be a lot in the book of John. I hope you guys have your Bibles and are ready to turn some pages. But we're actually going to start at Matthew as a central reading. But um, Matthew 16, 13 through 17. So ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you, Father, in a world of fiction that surrounds us, Lord, looking for truth. Truth is often spoken of as what a person believes but you can believe in what's not true. And so, Father, we want to take time to look at you, Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is truth. Pray that you speak to our hearts, God. We're a weak bunch, and we need your grace. And, Father, at times we miss your truth. And, Father, only the Holy Spirit can make the truth come alive and jump out at us. And so I pray... Holy Spirit, you're invited here. Continue to work in our hearts. Continue to show us you're here. Continue, as you love to do, pointing us to Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, uh, we need you. I need you, Lord. I can't say any of this, Father, without you. So I ask for your filling, and Father, I ask that you anoint and take this time for your glory. We'll look to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, one of the interesting classes I had in college was I did what they call a directive reading where I had to read 2,000 pages of this guy named Clive Staples Lewis. Uh, some of you may know better as C.S. Lewis. And I would go in weekly to the professor. I had to read so many books. And we'd sit down and discuss the books for an hour instead of a normal type of class. And uh, C.S. Lewis was an interesting character. He grew up, when he was young, his mom had cancer. He had an interest in church. But as he put it, as he prayed to the great magician to pull a supreme magic trick and heal his mom, to take away this cancer, his words, it seemed as if they just did not reach God. And he watched his mom suffer and and grow weaker and and, and finally die. And so he 
begin to pursue his own intellect, his own search for what truth really was. A brilliant guy. He ended up, as the years went by, um, at Oxford University. And he was a teacher there. And he was on with his, his little band of, of intellectuals as they would push aside the Bible and, and thought it was you know, just a bunch of superstitions, just a book of, of fables and some, you know, some moral lessons. But that's all. But he was haunted. He was haunted over God and ultimately God in Jesus Christ. And so he goes on this big search for the truth of who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And uh, I want to read to you, this is actually a quote from Surprised by Joy, which is C.S. Lewis's book. It's actually his own testimony about how he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes, The great angler played his fish, and I never dreamed the hook was in my tongue. I felt as if I were a man of snow who at long last was beginning to melt. The melting was starting in my back. Drip, drip, and presently, and trickle, trickle. I disliked the feeling. He, he, he fought that, but he could not bear to think his position was wrong. But he couldn't escape the facts that he was, he was learning. And he, he said, uh, I thought this was interesting, he said later, a young atheist cannot guard his faith too carefully. Dangers await on every side. He, he writes, I felt the steady, unending approach of he who I did not want to meet, and finally I gave in. I, I love this quote, he says, that night, perhaps, I was the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. The prodigal was brought in kicking, struggling, resentful, and darting his eyes in every direction for a chance of escape. Those hounds kept nipping on my heels and brought me to the declaration, He is Lord. He writes, Piece by piece and particle by particle, my beliefs broke away until I came to grips with the truth of who Jesus Christ in that quest, in that pursuit, he wrote these words about Jesus. He said, Among these Jews, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he's always existed. He says he's coming to judge the world at the end of time. Now, let us get this clear. Among pantheists, like the Indians, anyone might say that he was a part of God or one with God. There would be nothing very odd about it. But this man, since he was a Jew, could not mean that kind of God. God in their language meant the being outside of the world who made the world and was infinitely different from anything else. And when you grasp that, you'll see what this man said quite simply was the most shocking thing that had ever been uttered by human lips. Now, I'm going to give one more quote from, from Lewis in that quest in his famous book, Mere Christianity, that really hits the importance of who Jesus is to each of us and how we have to come to grips with that. Here's his words. He says, I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. 
Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great moral teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. As we look at our passage of Scripture we've read in Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples. He has that open type of relationship where he can just speak honestly and openly to them. And he says, hey guys, uh, what's a word out on the street? That's the Todd paraphrase it. What are people around you saying about who is he? Who is this guy that you follow? <laughs> you know the answers here that, that are shared. Uh, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you, where you are? Who do people say Jesus is? You had, had any conversation? Maybe they say, well, you know, he was, he was a great moral teacher. Maybe he, you know, he was this Jew that started a religion. Some say that possibly he was the one they were really looking for, a guy called the Messiah. Other people may say, well, he was just a, you know, a, a fairy tale fantasy and in this book, this old book. And some may even say he's the son of God, but not really understand fully what that means. Today, still people are searching. They want to know who, who Jesus is, and, and, and there is a longing for that. And People have different ideas. And as we look at the Scripture here, I, I want to just look at, as the Bible opens up and it shares about His identity. I, I, I want us to look at that. Uh, in, uh, I just want to look at some questions real quick. Don't turn to all these. In Luke 5.21, uh, His accusers... Say, so who is this guy that speaks blasphemy? Who is this guy that forgives sins? And then in Mark 6, 2, there are several of these questions. All of these are questions about him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and men who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom he's been given that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And it says, and they took offense on Jesus. They took offense on him. Um, then in Matthew eight twenty seven, you know, there's the great storm. And Jesus says, be still. And they obey his commands. And the, and the disciples look at him and say, who is this guy that even the winds and the waves obey him? And then in Luke seven forty eight and 49, there is a woman there who has much to be forgiven of, and she's worshiping Jesus. And he looks at her in love, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And so I look at him, and, and they say to him, um, who, who is this guy that forgives sins? Who is he? And then in Luke 9, verse 9, Herod, he says, who is, he says, uh, who is this guy? One, I hear such things about. He gives the inference. He says, I got rid of this John the Baptist. Who's this guy? Who is he? As, as the questions abound, who is he? But I, w- I want to specifically look at the quest of Pilate. What Pilate had to say. Um, now if we get into John. Look at John 18.
This is when Jesus is before Pilate. He's ended up at, at Pilate because people were trying to accuse Jesus and what they accused him of really uh, was not a strong case. And so he ends up there, and starting at verse 33, it says, Then Pilate went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He's, he's standing there before Jesus, and he looks at him, and this is what he's heard. And so he shares, Are you the king of the Jews? And, and look at Jesus' response. Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? You see, he comes before Jesus, and he said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, now wait a minute, where are you, where are you getting it? He, Jesus throws it back at him. He says, where are you getting this idea? Is it from you, or is this just what you're hearing from other people? He goes on, uh, Pilate says, am I a Jew? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is, what is it you've done? And notice what Jesus says. My kingdom's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. And for this I came in the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. You see, Pilate kept questioning Jesus. He kept asking, who are you? But in essence, Jesus would turn it around and say, who are you, Pilate? What is it you're looking for? And he shares the truth. And notice what Pilate says in verse 38. He says, what is truth? And that sounds like today. What's truth? What's the basis of truth? It says, with this again, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. And then he talks about his custom to release one, though. Now, drop down to chapter 19. And uh, I want to begin at verse 8, because Pilate, back again before Jesus, he's listened to the Jews' insistence that Jesus must be the one who dies, who is crucified. Verse 8, it says, When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from, he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. As he looked into the heart of Jesus, as he, as he looked for truth, where do you come from, Jesus? It says that Jesus was silent, though. Jesus did not answer him. He says, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Notice Jesus' response, verse 11. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. He kept looking to Jesus. Who are you? And Jesus kept looking back and saying, Who do you think I am? He, he was trying to get Pilate to use his own mind, to use his own heart, to use his own convictions, and to quit looking at what the Jews were saying, what other people were saying. But Pilate, who do you say that I am? You've got to come to grips with this yourself. Pilate, who am I? Verse 12, notice this. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate was hit with a great truth in his own heart. 
He watched Jesus. He listened to Jesus. He was in the presence of Jesus. And although he kept trying to look for an angle to be able to say that this man is guilty, that this man does not deserve this, he couldn't find that. In his own heart, he obviously came to an understanding of this Jesus. And he wanted to set him free, even though the political pressure was against him and, and, and turned him away. That's, that was what he, that was the desire that he had. That was his longing. Um, now, drop down to uh, verse um, 17. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him, one and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Did you see it? He was pressured what others were saying about Jesus. Who is he? Crucify him. Uh, Kill him. But Pilate, when he had it written, he said he is the king of the Jews. He didn't say, although they tried to pressure him to, he claims to be the king of the Jews. Why? Because I believe in Pilate's mind, he was grappling with that. He was dealing with that. And the evidence didn't point to, he just claimed to be the king of the Jews. He is the king of the Jews. Now, I want to look at what Jesus had to say. Turn back to John chapter 8. Jesus is one of those classic battles with the Pharisees. In the first part of it, uh, there's this woman called an adulterer. You guys know the story well. As he says, the one uh, without sin throw the first stone. She ends up, uh, they end up leaving, walking away. <laughs> he says, I don't condemn you either. I forgive you. Then you go down to verse 12. Uh, Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. But notice what Jesus said. He says, if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. You have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. I drop down to verse 19 as they criticize him. They ask, where is your Father? Another reference to that. The rumors that went around. Where's your Father? Jesus. He says, you do not know me or my Father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. It says, he, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the palace where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Uh, 
Notice verse 22. It says, this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But Jesus continued, you're from below. I'm from above. You're of this world. I'm not of this world. So there's this constant friction that is going on between the two as they're they're pushing him down and as he shares his truth. And then at verse 31, he says, to the Jews had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But notice how they answered him. He said, we're Abraham's descendants. and never been slaves anyone. How can you say we'll be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave. To sin, the slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. They're speaking of Abraham's descendants. Hey, we've got the religious pedigree. We grew up in the right place. We heard all the right stuff. God's accepting us because we have the lineage. We come down from that. And Jesus said, you guys are trapped. You guys are slaves. You guys don't get it. You guys are missing the whole point. And and, and so there's this battle that that rages that that goes in between them. And starting at verse 39, he said, Abraham's our father, they answered. If you're Abraham's children, said Jesus, you do the things Abraham did. Ouch. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do such things. You're doing the things your own father does. We're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Well, listen to these words. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I'm here. I've not come on my own. He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He's a liar. Father lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. He was saying to them, you're trapped in religion, but what I have come to provide is much more than that. It is a connection with the living God. It is to become new and just to have a change of heart. And the reason you don't hear is because you're not connected. (laughs) You, You haven't received the truth. You haven't grabbed hold of the truth. You you haven't let God change your heart. And that's why you can't hear me. That's why you don't believe. Because you don't belong to God. And then notice in verse 48, he said, are you you a Samaritan? Are you demon-possessed? He says, I'm not possessed by a demon. I honor my Father and you dishonor me. That's why he says, I'm not seeking glory for myself. There's one who seeks it. He's a judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my words... He will never see death. And and so this battle continues to rage. This battle continues to go on. And then you drop down to uh, verse 57. Or, uh, let's see, let me go to verse 55. It says, Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Talking about Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. 
before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus made this declaration, I am. And they all understood in that day what that meant. I am who I am. I'm Yahweh. I'm God. Notice their response. They didn't want to believe. They fought against that. Um, Verse 59 at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Jesus declared himself, I am that I am. They refused. They had to deal with who Jesus was, and they decided they were going to fight against that. Their effort, their longing was to destroy him, to kill him, to stop his voice. To, to stop the, the movement that was going through his life. They wanted to, to snuff that out, to shut that down. That was their heart. Now, back to John chapter 1 as we move near the end of this. Very familiar passage of Scripture. First five verses. Very familiar passage of Scripture to us about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Let me stop there a moment. Now, notice that Word. It's capital W. Now, who is the Word? Drop down to verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we have a picture here that this one, the Word, became flesh, dwelt among us, seen His glory. Now, drop down to verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Word is Jesus Christ. You can replace Jesus' name here, verse 1. He says, in the beginning was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was with God. And Jesus Christ was God. Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning. Notice in verse 3, as we learn more about him, through all things were made without him, nothing, through him all things were made without him, nothing was made that's been made. He's the creator. He made all things. The guy who had no place to lay his head would lay at night and he would look up in the stars and since he made them, he knew the name of each star. He knew all the details about each star. He knew all the details specifically about his creation because he's creator. He's creator. He's the word, the living word. He's the one who made it all. Verse 4, it says, In him was life. And that life was the light of men. He's life. Guys, the source of life, God himself, life available. And and, and look at the sad verse, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There are those who are in darkness. They don't understand the light. They don't grasp the light. So they want to stay in darkness. They don't want the light to shine. For then they are forced to deal with the light. Pilate tried. He tried not to deal with the light. He tried to run from that. But yet he kept finding himself face to face with Jesus. 
And Jesus would turn it back and say, what about you? Who do you say that I am? You see, that is the most pertinent question for all of us. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? It must become personal. It's a question that cannot be avoided, and the Scripture makes it very clear. It's a question that ultimately must be dealt with and will be dealt with. Philippians 2, 5, and 11. You guys know the passage. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God, that he's Lord to the glory of God. Who is Jesus? He's Lord. Who knows he's Lord? One day, everyone will. One day, all of us will declare, He is Lord. One day, every knee will bow. And the question comes back to, Who do you say He is? Will you be forced to bow? Or will it be of your own choice? Your own volition? Will you you turn to Him? Will you trust Him? Or will you shut His voice? Will you be close to who He is? With what He wants to say to you? That is the question. Um, People were asking, who is he? Is he a prophet? Elijah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. Who is this guy? Uh, Turn me back to that passage. Matthew 16. He looks at Peter, the guy that, you know, so often gets it wrong. Don't you see what he says? Uh, He turns it back. Jesus says, after he's asked what other people are saying, he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? See, he always comes back to that. Not what other people say, but not what other people are saying about who Jesus is. Who do you say I am? Look at Peter's response. Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, what a response. <laughs> and look at what Jesus said. He didn't deny it at all. That's pretty high praise there, Pete. He didn't say that. Look what he said, verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. What's he say? He verifies that truth. He he stands behind it. He said, God revealed this to you. God made it clear. And that's the way it works. God opens your heart. God opens your eyes. God opens your spirit so you can see the real identity of Jesus Christ, who he is. Remember Thomas in uh, John chapter 20 as he, uh, he said, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hands right where those, uh, uh, those scars are in his hands and in his side. Here's his actual marks. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I'll not believe it. And a week later, they were there. Lord appears, there's Thomas, and he says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands? Reach out your hand, put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. We're all tough on Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, but look at his response, verse 28. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He came to that personal recognition. 
You see, to enter, to enter the house of faith, you go through the doorway of doubt. He passed through that doorway of doubt. And he made that declaration, guys. He stopped being the doubting Thomas. He became the believing Thomas. He says, my Lord and my God. And, and then he comes down here and, and notice Jesus' response. Jesus said, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There is a declaration. Jesus saying, I am God. I am Lord. You can trust me. You can put your hope there. That's our God. And it comes back personal. Who do you say Jesus is? Maybe there's someone here who, you know, from a distance, uh, you've listened to what other people say about Jesus. You've heard who other people declare him to be. What about you? Who is he? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he your hope? Because that's the question. I'm going to close with this uh, quote from Gregory of Nazanus in AD 381, one of the early church fathers. Here's what he said about Jesus. (laughs) He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he is the bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he is the living water. Jesus was weary, yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world. Jesus was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is the good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death he destroyed the power of death. Let's pray. Lord, uh, here we are in a world of fiction. And Lord, we proclaim you, Jesus Christ, truth. Father, I pray your spirits touched us. And what do you want us to do with that truth? Maybe there's a pilot here today. And we know people around that have said who Jesus is. Some don't like him. Some do. But what about you? As you take an honest look at Jesus in the scriptures, as you take an honest look of his testimony, and an honest look of the questions in the scriptures, who is he to you? Lord, I pray you touch hearts. I pray you draw us to you. If it's time to come to the altar to pray about an issue of our belief in you, if it's time to come before uh, your people to make a statement about something regarding our belief in you, God, I pray that you bring us, that you draw us. Lord, nothing can happen apart from your Holy Spirit touching us, working in us. And so I just pray, Father, that you have the freedom Touch us, Lord. And may we just simply follow your lead as we deal with this question, who is Jesus? In your name we pray.